0: Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Weekender podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at nreionline.com. Let's jump right into this week's top news, features, and blog posts.
1: Hello, and welcome to the NREI Weekender with your host, David Bodemer. Let's dive into this week's news. Good afternoon, David. How are you? I'm doing well today. How are you doing? Ooh, fantastic. It is, it is a wonderful day. And uh, I know a lot's been going on this week, and you're here to bring us all the updates. Where are we starting today?
0: Yep, another full week of news for the industry. So this this week, the the, the podcast this week is uh, a little bit more focused on finance and investment. Uh, I picked up, picked out some stories that uh-huh. that have a little bit of a a theme to them that way, um, especially in light of something that we've talked about. I think at the beginning of last week's episode about. You know this whole issue of the yield curve inverting um, mm-hmm. between you know long-term and short-term Treasuries, and and you know that, that that's that's traditionally um, a benchmark that that's looked at as a p- potential harbinger for recessions. Um, but the yield curve is also, or, or Treasury yields are also very important for the commercial real estate industry, independent of the of that happening, just mm-hmm. because it's. You know, a metric for for um, measuring cap rates. Uh, you know, as like a, a threshold of of where real estate sits as a as an investment relative to safe long term bonds. It's also could be important for how it. Um, you know, just yeah, what it could mean going forward for financing and investment volumes. So, I think that was like that's kind of like a jumping off point again for us. Um, the first article we had our. One of our reporters here specifically talked to some experts about okay, just straight straight out just asking them, what does this yield curve inversion mean for commercial real estate investors? Is this necessarily a positive, a negative, or you know, a net, you know, net neutral Mm -hmm. um, for the industry? So, what we, you know like again it's 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 this thing that that triggered a whole lot of discussion in the broader media and the broader business media but what does it mean for us so i think ultimately what we found is that it may not necessarily mean like i think one of the interesting things is that the yield curve a lot of people are suggesting that maybe in this case the yield curve inversion doesn't mean what it's meant historically in that maybe it's not signaling a recession coming, or if it is, maybe it's a mild recession. But also when you compare the commercial real estate industry, when you look at it, irrespective of like what's going on with the broader economy, we're kind of in the commercial real estate industry is, is in an okay spot. That um, overall investment sales volumes are kind of chugging along, you know, deals are happening Um Cap rates are pretty stable, maybe moving lending volumes are pretty stable. So maybe this isn't something that like is necessarily disrupting the way that our business is functioning on like a, a day-to-day basis right now.
1: Got it. Yeah, That makes a lot of sense. I was talking to an advisor yesterday, actually, and we talked a lot about the yield curve inversion um, and what that can possibly signal, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And it's, it's the same thing with, with him. He's saying it could But it might not, you know, there's all I mean, it's it's still kind of a guessing game and you want to be, you know, cognizant of it, but not necessarily let that run what you do. So kind of
0: sounds like kind of the same thing. Yeah, I think that's kind of the sense. And I think also like whereas in previous cycles, there's been some potentially potential red flags within the industry itself that came alongside with the onset of the recession, which then, Mm -hmm. you know, exacerbated some of the down cycle for commercial real estate this time around. We, you know, we're not as worried about that, Got like it. that, that, um, pricing hasn't gotten out of control. Lending hasn't gotten out of control. Development hasn't gotten out of control. So even so, you know, recession clearly would affect, you know, it's going to affect any industry, it affects commercial real estate because there's, uh, an effect on the underlying demand for, mm-hmm. um, the tenants of any kind of property type. But perhaps not the the kind of like you know, not kind of the some of the disaster scenario that we saw um in during the Great Recession and some of the problems that, that we had within real estate then, or not the same kind of problems that we had, I wanna say, like in the in the nineties, downturn for the for the sector where we had a huge problem of of overdevelopment occurring and and, and then it took a long time for, for that to kind of wash out in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um and one positive thing on the flip side, you know, here is that when long-term treasuries get bid down like that, it does actually lower lending costs <laughs> since right. since a lot of times since for some loans, you know, the loan is set at at a spread to treasuries. So, when treasuries go down, you, you know, the the, the your, your borrowing costs go down. Makes sense. Yeah, so and as long as that doesn't get too frothy, as long as money doesn't get too cheap and and encourage too much risk taking, I mean, I think overall when people can lower their borrowing costs, that gives them some opportunity to get better returns on their investment, yeah, more bang for the buck, for sure, yeah, so I think like you know I think like what you were saying, I think overall, I feel like the the takeaways that we're getting at this point is, all right, this thing happened. This is normally a red flag. We should be aware of it. But also, let's look at not, but it's like in and of itself, it's not the cause of anything. It's mm. like, you know, it's like correlation does not imply causation. The the, the inverted yield curve is not going to cause a recession. But what is it signaling about wariness in the market and what could be causing that? And maybe it is the things like the trade war that's happening, people, you know, that's creating some uncertainty and some nervousness. We don't really still know what's going to happen with Brexit we got the protests in hong kong so i think there's there's in some ways maybe some just some wariness in the markets because there's there's some things causing some real uncertainty and uncertainty obviously affects investment decisions yeah absolutely so that's kind of like i think i think that that piece sort of is a good you know was was meant to kind of give us an overall sort of like you know i get you know s- snapshot for where we are right now what do, what do some people think the next Piece that we that we wanted to look at is we interviewed um, Jim Costello, who is a who is an executive with uh, Real Capital Analytics, um, which is you know one of the handful of top data firms in the industry. They you know we we they're one of the firms that measures investment sales volume any way you want to look at it. You know by property type, by region, by Asset quality, you know, and so they're always like a good, good to check in with. They also are one of the, there's a, there's a handful of, of people that produce overall commercial property pricing indexes. And so, um, that's, we talked, so that was one of the things we looked at the new, Mm -hmm. the newest reading came out, um, showed that all for, when you look at all, all commercial real estate property, the price index is up 6.3 percent year over year. Uh, it also rose from June to to July by 0.7 percent. So, you know, given everything we were just talking about, any but you know, the backdrop of of some questions, commercial real estate pricing, you know, there's been no just dis- there at least in the most recent numbers we have no disruption. Um, mm-hmm. The pr- at least in terms of prices. They did note, however, that um, investment sales volume in July fell by 21, percent or 30, uh, 32.8 billion dollars. So, pricing was stable, volume dropped. You know, but again, we're talking about month-over-month numbers. So, it's a question of like, what does that mean? And it's just maybe at this point, just something to note as opposed to necessarily like a red flag or a green flag or anything like that. Did he have any comment on why? I mean, falling by
1: 21% seems like a pretty good size percentage is there is there data showing what it does year to year i mean i, I don't know if the seasons affect it you know depending on because of development and everything else
0: Some not necessarily seasonality i mean it's that doesn't affect investment sales volume so much but what kind of i mean the I think sometimes when we get granular in 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 month over month comparisons for deal volume, or even year over year, is that if say a year ago some massive merger got completed mm-hmm. in this month, that's going to like create some noise in the numbers because yeah, or or even just a very large portfolio that may have got traded a year ago, that that doesn't tell us as much as you know the what's happening with maybe like just the general. Run of the mill, smaller deals that comprise that you know would comprise a big number of transactions, but then may not move the needle so much on volume. So, Mm -hmm, I don't know. mm -hmm. So, so I think, um, doesn't necessarily like I think just looking at one a one month drop, either year over year or from month to month, doesn't necessarily tell us that much. Yeah, got it. I think we also did ask him about, you know, we did ask him about interest rates. We did ask him about the yield curve. Um, he said, with in terms of like the Fed lowering interest rates, um, that it could have an impact on, again, on a, on a, on the pace of sales rather than the than the prices. In this case, okay, that may that that maybe um, lowering the interest rate may you know ex- may accelerate some people being able to buy. Um, And there's also the question of whether um, the Fed will cut rates again. And while he didn't want to chime in uh, on what he thought about that, he he did point out that in observing what other people are saying, that there's generally an expectation at this point that the Fed may cut rates again, Um, but it's not kind of clear cut. And then what would that mean is... You know, that money that's searching for yields, If interest rates get cut, that means that the yields on real estate may become more attractive. That's that's one of the potential ways things may may be going here. Gotcha. All right. Uh, in terms of the again, then like I said, we 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 asked him specifically about the in, inverted yield, and here I want to just quote him directly, which is what so so what Jim said is. As an indicator, I wonder if it has the same explanatory power when the forces driving that relationship today are different. You just have that crush of capital, and the U.S. is the only place in the world where there is a positive yield on that long side. It's a safe harbor, and it's different from the 1970s type of downturn when firms overproduced and needed to pull their inventory back. It's just a different situation. Hmm. So he also, you know, then went on to say that it could something. It could be something to worry about, but. Generally, if there is a recession, expectation of it being short and shallow, not necessarily translating to fear on the capital side, and could see the commercial real estate industry kind of just getting through the downturn without much um, pain.
1: Mm,
0: all right. And in terms of um, any last takeaways that he had about about the latest uh, numbers from the CPI, he pointed to... That that the industrial sector is is the leader. Uh, it had fourteen percent year over year price growth, um, and wondered if that you know the one potential risk there is if you know you bid industrial properties too aggressively, that can then maybe be um, an incentive to developers to try to build too much more of the stuff because mm-hmm. they're trying to you know they'll want to try to sell it and for the prices that they're seeing. Um, so, you know, it did raise a little bit of a concern about maybe that, about that. And that's something to look at in, in future months of whether the industrial, the prices on industrial assets continue to, to go up at that kind of a clip. Um, at the other end, he said, you know, retail is very flat, uh, very little price change, um, year over year and you know, which is not necessarily a surprise given the, the, the continued troubles we've talked about in the retail sector. But you know, just wondering what that might mean going forward for the sector. If there, mm-hmm. if there maybe are some places that there are assets that that are are okay relative um, to ones that are maybe you know on their last legs. Got it. Jim had a lot to say. I'm not going to kind of keep pull you know keep quoting from this piece. It's a long article, I a mean, long interview. Uh, people should go to the website, read about some more of his uh, insights. Yeah, they can get the whole thing there. So that'll be that'll be perfect. All right, the next story the title is life companies
1: find CRE lending opportunities in a volatile market. What's going on here, David?
0: So here I uh, wanted to take an opportunity to um, talk to the life insurance companies who have you know a pretty robust uh, business in lending uh, to commercial real estate and just kind of get a sense of where they're where they were at in the cycle because they tend to be historically life insurance companies are um very conserve, conservative about how they lend to to the sector where they like wanna, you know, they wanna lend on the best assets. They do offer very competitive pricing, but they they want their loans to perform. So they're not gonna, you know, they want good credit borrowers, they want good assets, long term leases, no, no real, you know, they're not a fan of 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 risk. Yeah. Um uh, when it comes down because it's like you think about it, it's like they're putting some of their book here, you know, some of some of their book here, it, laying into commercial real estate. They want to just get that income they can get off of off of off of those loans and mm-hmm. use it for their core business. Yep. So this was a chance to kind of like you know we like to every so often just talk to the talk to them, see what they're doing, and what they're seeing is that like with some of this volatility in interest rates, they actually see an opportunity. Uh, to pick up maybe to pick up some loans that they were losing out on, uh, and 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 trying to be a, l- a little bit more aggressive uh, than they had been in the past. Um, like some of them are offering rates now as low as three percent. Again, you know, lower interest rates allows that lower, broader inter- interest rates allows allows them to offer lower interest rates on their loans, so they can get a little more com- competitive on loan pricing. Um, some of them are also trying to add some flexibility for borrowers that they maybe ha- hadn't done in the past. Things such such as giving more flexibility on prepayment options, um, and, and and things like that. So some of the terms that maybe in the past they wouldn't, wouldn't have done. And on the plus side, you know what what they've always offered to borrowers is you know if you're going to a life a company lender, you're the deal's going to close. You know they're 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 stable institutions that are very like by the book and how and how they get out and and um, do these deals. Mm-hmm. So talked to a couple of um, you know some of the chief investment officers or the chief loan officers at a couple of the insurance companies. Heard a similar thing from all of them that they see this as an opportunity. They want to try to you know w- w- a way to grow their volume and because it's also like I think one of the one of the more remarkable statistics looked back at um, how they're doing is that currently life insurance companies are reporting an average delinquency rate on loans more than 30 days past due at 0.002%. Hmm. So that just gives you a sense of uh, the deals that they've done in the past, you know, in, the, in recent years, like they're, they have no issues that they're, they're good at picking, they're good at picking their properties and, yeah. and the borrowers that they're lending on. That's pretty good statistics. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in general, like delinquency rates are pretty low for other, you know, pretty low in general for commercial real estate. But I mean, you know, look at, I think we talked about CMBS delinquency rates a couple of weeks ago or, um, and you know, we're looking at two or 3% in some cases for some of the property types and, maybe four or five for others. So it's like, I mean, but generally, like, you know, two to 5% range for CNBS loans, a little bit lower for commercial banks, but life insurance companies essentially reporting no delinquencies on their loans right now. Yeah. I think for them too, that when in the way that the market's gone, they've had, some of them have had issues hitting their volume targets just because they have faced so much other competition from some other lender types. So I think, you know that's that's again why maybe they see this as an opportunity where other lenders maybe aren't as comfortable with the volatility or maybe can't deal with the pricing changes. Life insurance companies maybe able to step in a little bit. So I just just think in general, like you know, they they seem like they're in a good spot. They seem like they want to grow their business. So they're 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 planning to to be active, um, really active as 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 lenders for the for the rest of the year. Um, again, like you know, there's some more detail. I think we t- we talked to a couple of good, you know, again, we talked to some good good folks for that. So I think if one of people want to read more in depth on some on on what they're doing, what they what they're saying about their books, what they're saying about their volumes, um they should just go check out the full story mm-hmm. All
1: right. And we come into our last story, and that's I uh, actually am very, very interested in this because I just like to watch behaviors uh, because of things that happen. Uh, Should landlords worry about drugstore closures? And uh, what drugstores are we talking about here?
0: Yeah, so we're talking about both Walgreens. Walgreens announced recently that it's going to close about 200 stores. And then the next day, CVS announced that it's not necessarily closing stores. It's closing some stores, but more um, relevant, they are slowing their pace of expansion. So okay. I think they, at one point, we're going to, I think it previously had set a target or generally they're opening like 200 or 300 stores a year and and they're kind of tapping the brakes on that a little bit. So they're slowing the pace of expansion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the question is, of course, like, you know, when something like this happens, how is this going to affect the retail sector? And because I think, I think it's very easy to, especially in the context of a lot of retailers closing stores, to see any news of store closings and think, oh my God, this is just another bad things for the retail sector. Yeah. Uh, in this case, maybe not so much. Why Why not? So, um, because we're both, because when we're talking about drugstore operators, both of these, just to put it in a context, both of these companies combined have about 20,000 stores. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about closing a few, a few hundred stores, sounds like a lot, but as a relative percentage of their overall store portfolio is it's not that significant.
1: Yeah, and, and uh-huh. I was looking earlier just cuz out, out of curiosity um when we were talking and and Walgreens has just under 10,000 stores out of those 20,000. So mm-hmm. this is what 2% of of their stores, which isn't a huge percentage, but like you said, people see it and say, "Oh man, here we go. We're closing down all these stores and you know, what's going to replace them as far as plate, you know, location. And also, you know, why are they closing? Are Is everybody going online? Canadian drugs? What's going on? I mean, you know, we <laughs> exactly. all get the emails. So yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting, but yeah, it's only, a, it is a small fraction.
0: Yeah. And then I think both of their cases too, we're talking about chains that have been very aggressive in recent years in acquiring, you know, both in opening stores mm-hmm. as well as acquiring other chains. So at some point, you you know you also could end up with like all right we you know i mean i'm sure you've, you you go down anywhere you sometimes you see the Wal, walgreens and then you drive three blocks and you see another one because it used to be like at the Rite Aid, yes. right age yep. Yes. You know, so so it's so there's also those situations where it's like all right you know maybe we don't need to have two pharmacies within this close this yeah. closer range so let's just close one and consolidate yep no that makes sense so i think that that's been that's been some of some some of accounts for some of the the slowdown and expansion and 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 closing. It just could be just you know redundancies in the portfolio. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of then looking diving into some of the the sales dynamics or what the, their business. I think what was interesting is that on when it comes to the prescription drug business, I think their sales are are fairly stable. They have taken a little bit of a hit when it comes to some of the front of store stuff, just like the general merchandising that they that they do now. You know, there there's just the competition they face from Walmart, dollar stores, Amazon. You know, because mm-hmm. like you don't necessarily, you know, you may pick up some groceries or whatever at the CVS, but you know, that's not like that's not that's not where you're doing that as a, as as a matter of course. Yeah. So I think they have felt some pressure pressures from the retail, just the broader retail trends and their general sales, and I think, you know, so what they're, what they're, what they may have to just reckon with is, smooth, you know, how to deal with any blips they may they face on on that side of the business, balanced out by the strengths they might still have with the prescription side, or even with some of the, the offerings they're doing on, you know, in clinics and other health services, that that they offer at some of the locations got it got it all right anything else on this one i think those are that's kind of like the 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 main headlines for this piece just that i think the overall takeaway is of but we're not but doesn't that doesn't seem like all right this is like necessarily the beginning of Oh, they closed a couple hundred stores now and we're going to see another burst of them later this might just be some fine tuning that they're both doing.
1: Yep. You can still get your prescriptions. It's not gonna yeah. not gonna change that. So all right, David, thank you so much. That was that was great. All four stories wrapped up. Again, if you want more information about any of these, where do they go?
0: Go to nreionline.com and this was just, just a, a handful of the pieces we had this week. A couple other highlights that people may want to check out is we had a piece that looked at uh, uh, the most recent um, analysis of REIT CEO pay uh, that was put up by FTI Consulting. So we had a piece on that. We had a piece just on apartment occupancy rates, um, where what some of the latest numbers on that. We had a commentary piece this week. That's kind of like a good piece for people thinking about what kind of financing strategies they're considering mm-hmm. today. And then an update on another update on CNBS delinquency rates, which I, I think I alluded to, but didn't want to dive into. So those are some of the other pieces we have this week, including um, a few others. So, you know, if you can read the full s- stories of the ones that we talked about in this, in this podcast, as well as check out some of these other headlines.
1: Right on. And uh, as always, we ask you to like the podcast, subscribe to it, share it with your coworkers. All of you guys can get some great information uh, from NREI and, And uh, we appreciate you listening. So thank you for listening to the NREI Weekender with your host, David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, just click the subscribe now button below. It's nice and easy. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the NREI Weekender, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back next week for all the news that matters to you. See you soon. Click the
0: subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NERI Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes
1: only.